You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Los Angeles, California, and Maria Menunos, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's The Voice of. The Voice of is a long-form interview series featuring the voice talent behind your favorite characters and announcers from TV, movies, the internet, and video games. And now, from the world's number one TV after-show platform. This is AfterBuzz TV's The Voice of. Oh, it's no bullshit. Yeah, we're, we're just talking here. We're just hanging out. We actually are. And so I'm here on The Voice of. Thank you guys for joining me with the one and only Quentin Flynn. Hey. With quite the illustrious career. I mean, I can list <laughs> off things, and I will. And you might as well. And I might as well. Let's build so time. for me, I was in anime. My favorite anime, actually, is Naruto. Yeah. So you're in Naruto. Yes. For me, big one. I'm a huge gamer, so you're... Riding in Metal Gear Solid, you've Riding. done Final Fantasies, multiple Final Fantasies, so yeah. part of the Square Enix family, mm-hmm. and you've done cartoons, ones that I grew up with, like Timon and Pumbaa, Johnny Quest, yeah. and I had no idea, I looked at it, I was like, you're Johnny Quest? Come on, Dad, we gotta go find Bandit, I, Dave Klein's watching. That's crazy. You know, and then Timon, of course, Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. No, so here to me is the, the crazy thing about you is just your range is incredible. Thank you. You have a, a wild range. And, and something I was curious about is what what are voices that are hard for you to do? Because you just immediately go right into something. Yeah. Well, uh, the hard voices are the ones that would people wouldn't even think about but are the most obvious to me. Yeah. Tom Hanks. Sure. Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um, Harrison Ford. So maybe ones that are a little more straightforward. Yeah, those guys, if you notice, uh, no matter what role they're playing, they're always Kevin Costner, Tom Hanks, yep. or Harrison Ford. Neither one of them are character actors of the nature of a Daniel Day-Lewis, per se. Right. You know, they're not putting on dialects, and that's not why America loves them. Like, to me, Tom Hanks is the modern-day Jimmy Stewart, who yeah. is always Jimmy Stewart, but so likable, compelling, and believable in their roles. The difference is with Jimmy Stewart, you can do a Jimmy Stewart impression. Right. Clarence, Clarence, Clarence! Yeah. From It's a Wonderful Life, whereas Tom Hanks... Yeah. I'm Woody! No, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Okay, well, that was good. Okay, so you can do Toy Story, all right? Ah, You know, (laughs) I don't know. You got it down better than yeah, I could yeah. ever do anything. See, like, there was a time in my life I was like, it'd be so cool to be a voice actor. Yeah. And because I enjoy animes and games and all that. And then when I, I see someone like you who's so good at doing different voices, I'm like, oh, that's why I'm not a voice actor. Aww. Because I can't do that type of thing. So you truly are talented. It's it's amazing for me to see that in person when you just snap to it like that. Well, thanks. Yeah, I've been doing it since I was a kid. I mean, it goes back to <clears throat> second grade. I was eight years old. Yeah. Uh, back in Mayfield Village, Ohio, outside of Cleveland. And um, my buddy Bill Russ, who's a stand-up comic um, and uh, tours greatly, uh, we would watch TV, and we would watch Impressionists. Yeah. And we would do impressions of Impressionists' impressions, <laughs> and then we would do them in school. And then, of course, we would do impressions of friends and family just by nature. So that was like a weird inception loophole there. Yeah. Like an impression of an Impressionist of an Impressionist. Does an impression, so I yeah. do his impression. So little boy, you know, Richard Nixon was the president, so Rich Little was doing Nixon. You know, I am not a crook. So, but as an eight-year-old, it came right. out as I am not a crook, or uh, Johnny Carson, who was the king of the late night, the original, if you will, late night giant. Yeah, uh, that everybody uh, should know and love, but this audience may not know him. But if you look him up, you will love him. Now, now speaking of these impressions, then you are you are so good at them, and there are other avenues outside of voice acting that I know you've you're interested in that you've kind of worked towards. So, what other avenues have you looked into outside of just specifically voice acting for these impressions that you're so good at? Well, Saturday Night Live has yeah. been a big dream of mine for a lot of years. I did test for the network years ago, and then I went off in other directions. But that was a great experience. Yeah, know? not only to audition for it, which there were maybe thirteen, fourteen people of us who uh, we auditioned at Stand Up New York. And then they picked from there five of us to then test on camera uh, in Studio 8H at 30 Rockefeller Plaza in front of Lauren Michaels, uh, Marcy Klein, Mike Shoemaker, and, um, oh, Tina Fey. Hi, Tina. Oh, there, there you go. <laughs> you know? and, um, 
and they were going a different way that year. Um, they just uh, they needed different talent for a different demographic. Right. And uh, like I said, then I kind of went on to other things. Um, and then since that time, after touring the convention circuit for yeah. anime, video games, and animation, I've built up a uh, kind of a stand-up improvisational set that addresses all the question and answer panels, both educating and entertaining the audience right. by doing these voices, having fun, and I've then steered back in this direction of pursuing a show like SNL again, or even Late Late Show, because in December, Craig Ferguson's leaving. So, you never know, maybe Quentin Flynn's show. Just saying, CBS, hello. So we need to just send well, this over to them and be like, hey, just so you know, check this out, this guy. Yeah. And yeah, actually, that is something that you, you've done and you're currently doing. You actually do what I do. You post as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're currently doing a show for the ID channel called I Kill For You, which could yeah. you talk about that show? I Kill For You. Absolutely. Um, I think South Park did a parody and they called it murder porn. So that is now in our American <laughs> vernacular. And perhaps it'll go worldwide, global. We don't know. Uh, see if it's trending. But um, I am the host, I narrate the series, and it is truly about real-life crimes, uh, crimes of passion, crimes of the heart, oftentimes love triangles. And, you know, they say that truth is stranger than fiction, and in this case, it's true. The reenactments are unbelievable. Uh, It's produced by uh, NBC's Peacock division for the ID channel. It's so riveting that, honestly, by the end of the hour... uh, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I need a palate cleanser. I need a comedy. Give me some uh, old Jerry Lewis or a Jim Carrey comedy. Something to make me feel better. I was say, we'll just throw you up. Just have you do you. I'll do <laughs> And then there you go. It's yeah, perfect. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> but you were, something you were telling me before we started this show is that uh, the, the biggest demographic is female. So. The biggest demographic is female yeah. for this show. What does that say about females? I know. Mm-hmm. What does it say about you ladies? Hold on. We'll just take a moment of looking at each other. I know looking at you. Looking at us, looking at you. I guess we should know our enemy. That's what it comes down to. I think that is what it comes down to. I'm nervous. You should be. I'm nervous. Yeah. So, yeah, we love so you've the been ladies, doing the show we? for. Yeah. We do. Yeah. <laughs> but so, how long have you been doing the show for? Uh, we're just uh, in season two now. Yeah. So, it debuted, debuted, debutted uh, <laughs> last year, and the ratings were fantastic. Yeah. So, they brought it back for season two. Uh, there are 10 episodes that are currently in rotation. We're doing 13 this year of which we've done five as of today, and um, very exciting, very exciting. So, yeah, I get to yeah. narrate, and folks, if you watch the show, you would hear me say something uh, to the effect of uh, 2007, Chicago, Illinois, a young Dave Klein was plying his trade. Wait, no, 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 no. I don't want to be one of these murder stories. Oh, okay, all right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. This is the wrong place to be. <laughs> yeah. No, but that voice is great. You're, Yeah, like, you really, you you can just go into anything immediately. Yeah. And actually, something I've, I've always been curious about with those voices is it, when you do specific things like screaming or really going into maybe crying to certain extreme ranges yeah. is that when it gets difficult or is it fairly easy for you to still hold whatever voice you're doing you know it's a good question because it depends on the emotion yeah um when it come i i do have to bear the character in mind when i am doing that yeah yelling's not a problem screaming not a problem uh kind of the guttural hits and punches that nobody would ever see like for a video game yeah right you know you ought to do the punches so there's a lot of <clears throat> Right. You know, so there's that. The troubling part for me is those emotional scenes. And and should I have to cry, that takes something. Um, Right. Because, I mean, to me, that's hard in the first place to properly act that. And then you got to add the voice to it as well. Yeah. But you know what? If you're you're in character, no matter what you're doing, uh, it's not a problem. It's if you're putting on a voice and you're not really invested or connected, that's when... You know, it's like a mask falling off. Right. You know, so it's it's not a problem. I was only meant that the difficulty is I wouldn't consider myself the kind of an actor who can cry like that. Yeah. It takes me a little work to do it or to you know make it believable and to get into that. There are some people who can cry at the drop of a hat. For me, it takes a clamp on my balls. Or you just have to watch I'd Kill For You a couple times and then yeah, you start getting in the mood. Then I'm yeah in the fetal right. position in the corner of a room just weeping uncontrollably. <laughs> yeah. Screaming, mommy, mommy. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, normal. Normal. Like, yeah, yeah, normal for, for an adult. Exactly. <laughs> so, so speaking of I'd kill free and the ladies, um, have you ever in the past or whenever, have you ever actually tried to use your voices as a pickup line or just been like, you know what, I'm just going to go into an Irish accent tonight, see yeah. if that does anything? Yes, I actually have. I haven't used the I'd kill for you voice. I don't know that that word yeah, does so like, well. Oh, I don't know about that guy. But there were times... Uh, yeah, but I would use, I might use an Irish voice, that'd be fine, you know, how are you, that's good to see you, right? But we'll maybe use, like, kind of a Liverpoolian voice, you know, like Paul McCartney. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, it's great to see you, what you're doing? And immediately, you know, the ladies are like, hey. <laughs> now, I made the mistake some years ago of doing it at a bar one time, and a woman was fully invested. So I had to keep it up the oh, whole no. time. Yeah, yeah. A- and then you have to have a story that goes with it. So where are you from? Oh, I'm from Liverpool, you know, or I'm from Kent. Right, and then you just have to keep on building that lie and extending it out. But yeah. you're good at improv, so I'm sure it's just like, oh, it naturally comes to you. That's it. But right. uh, fortunately, um, I didn't have to go the full Monty, uh, if you will. Yeah. And so I, I got away with it. So I, I would generally um, let them know at some point that, you know, this is my real voice and I'm, I'm, I'm acting. Okay. So I'm not trying to, you know, right. mess, mess with you. But a friend of mine did do that with his buddy. They spent a night doing it. They got so drunk that by the end of the night, when they paired off with the ladies and they yeah. were playing music and having an after party, that they slipped into their American dialect both women were not only shocked, but irritated and said, see ya. Yeah. So. Yeah, because, yeah, it's, it's almost like, I mean, if you don't admit to them at some point, it's totally, it's a lie, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't lie. <laughs> I don't <laughs> right. lie anymore if I can yeah. help it, if I can help it. Sure. Yeah, I think, like, the one thing, like, I had an ex, and the one thing we tried to do is convince her friend that I was from Ireland. And just, like, she kept on telling her friend that I was from Ireland. So then when I hung out with her the whole time, I was like, well, of course, I'm from Ireland. And I kept on talking like that the whole time. That's great. And that was, and she was literally convinced. And I, I don't happen to like cheese. And I just mentioned that. And we were at dinner. And she's like, oh, it's because you're from Ireland. I was like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's why. That's why. That's why I don't like cheese. Yeah. Right, I'm from Ireland. So that was, yeah, that was just, and then, it, like, of course, it was a friend, so it didn't matter as much. It's like, I already have my girlfriend, so I don't have to worry. I didn't feel bad about it. Right. It's like, to me, it's like it's just tricking a friend. It's it, fine. Look, love, the thing is, I find you rather attractive, and, you know, I um, I might even eat, eat cheese for you. <laughs> but I've got a girlfriend, and uh, I've got to be true to her. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, Wouldn't exactly. You? And that's it. So she yeah. was like, oh, he's a nice guy, and he's handsome, and he is handsome. And, uh, and he, fuck, he's from Ireland, so... Uh, so what, there's no there's no misses here. That's, that's everything. It's win-win-win. Right, win-win-win. That's right. why. So you got to make the good impression for the girlfriend's friends. You do. Right. So something else that you do, though, just really switching topics that's here, fine. is um, you're, another thing that is about to come out is Skylanders, uh-huh. as you're double-handing oh. <laughs> double oh that. Oh, my God. Was it one of those Gatorade, though? That's the one thing you don't want to spill. That no, was the water. Thank okay, you. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, a little drinking problem here, folks. Um, yeah, yes. drinking problem with water. He's really dives into that water. Don't go mind. out drinking with him, because no, when uh, he takes uh, the waters, mm, people, it gets crazy. Mmm. 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 See, I don't more, know. more, we more. Need to, we need to actually maybe end this interview early. He's going out of control. Yeah. You're out of control. We're going to wrap it up. All right, so thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, no, really? No. But, uh, no. Seriously, that's, all right. that's the way to do it. Come on, where are the dancers? Get that's up like, here. Actually, I got... uh, that's the way to just be like, oh, well, actually, we're over time and just make an excuse like I got that. singles. I got singles for you, strippers. Um. But yeah, so Skylanders, though, is a huge video game franchise, huge, huge video game property. So are you excited yeah. to get on board with that? Oh, I'm thrilled. And the, uh, the producer is great. Uh, the director was fantastic. Um, we had a ball in the studio. And I play a character named Main Scream. Yeah. And, uh, you know. It sounds like a dragon type character. Uh, I think you're right. Oh, uh, there we go. You're f- You've done your research. Well, I'm a gamer, so yeah, I know Skylanders. I know, yeah. Yeah, and I was thrilled to do it. And um, I'm trying to think what voice that we came up with. Um, I, if I remember correctly, it might have been somewhere like in this vicinity, somewhere in here, I think is where I was going with it. But we wanted to make sure that he sounded different than a particular character that John Kassir does. Yeah. Um, so tonally... We we kind of you know waited out to make sure that I st- still had my own distinct sound or brand for the character that didn't sound too much like him to conflict because yeah. they want to have obviously as you know in that world every character individual unique and special right yeah and actually uh, something I, I saw you talking about was how you come up with characters and a lot of times you mash up 
Or yes. at least when you first do it, is you mash up one voice with another voice, and that's how you make it. Yeah. Was that how you ended up coming up with Mainstream's voice? In a way, yeah. Um, they uh, gave me a, a, some suggestions of what they wanted, and I started laying it out for them, and they liked it. And I said, well, what if we add a little more texture? You know, wh- where do you want him tonally? Okay, you know, like, I think I started out with Mainstream, like here. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's cl- too close to this other character. All right, I'll drop him down to here. You like that? Yeah, we like that, sure. Oh, it sounds like there's a little New York in there. All right, I'll take out the <laughs> New York and I'll, and I'll, I'll make him more malevolent. Malevolent. They just yeah. need to change his backstory. He's actually a New Yorker, you know? Yeah, yeah, New York. The, How you doing? Yeah, mainstream. Yeah. What the hell's going on? So, yeah, just change Mainstream's character and mystical world of Skylanders. Yeah, we'll just change direction. It'll yeah. be Skylanders Brooklyn. Right, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, why not? But, yeah, you know, you do get to mesh and mold characters, and that's the most fun. Uh, I learned that many, many moons ago from a great actor-director named Bob Bergen. Yeah. Uh, And I was taking a course from him when I first moved to Los Angeles. Right. And he talked to me about that, building new characters. And the example was, again, I I made the joke reference, but we took – he said, just take Richard Nixon and Nurse Diesel. Yeah. Which was Cloris Leachman in Mel Brooks' High Anxiety. So, Nurse Diesel, talk like this through her teeth. And Richard Nixon talk like this with kind of a, you know, wobbly cheeks. (laughs) So if you take Nixon and you take Nurse Diesel and you put them together, all of a sudden you have this character who is something different and you can use him and he sounds like a villain. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds incredibly malevolent. Right? Incredibly so. Yeah. But I think, like, actually, he's he's still doing voice workshops, I believe, Bob. Uh, uh, Richard Nixon? Nah, yeah, Richard Nixon. I think he still does voice workshops. Yeah, he does. After he's... his presidency was over, he was like, well, I'll do voice workshops so you can learn how to talk like me. Oh, yeah, but he's great, yeah. Yeah. He's a wonderful guy, yeah. Oh, yeah, Richard, yeah, Richard's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, yeah, he is. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's know. great to take someone who's, who's really a legend in the voice world. I'm sure that was really helped you build. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, when I first met Bob, he was fully established because he started as a, a teen, I believe. He had sent off a tape to Casey Kasem. Yeah. He's got a rich history, if you haven't had him in here. And so I learned a lot from him out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, I was in a rock band. I was doing comedy improv. And uh, I think I was re- working as a production coordinator for CBS. So I was wearing all these hats and spinning all these plates. Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time said, why don't you take one thing focus on it, nail it, and then branch out. Right. And it was at that point she said, you know, you've loved doing voices and voice acting. You've already done the commercial workshop stuff. You just finished this incredible workshop with Bob Bergen. He really encouraged you to follow that. So why don't you do that? And I said, all right. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I made that my main focus, and I just narrow cast as opposed to broadcast. And... uh, one thing after another, man. You know? Maybe. Yeah. So, words of advice is actually focus on something and then branch out, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, I feel like when I, a lot of people first move out to L.A., that's what they do is they just go, well, I'll just try everything and see what sticks. So, do the shotgun method. The shotgun method, yeah. Right, see what sticks to the wall. And the way it is today, um, it's all about point of view. They really want to yeah. know who you are. Like, what is your brand? Uh, specifically, they want... They want you. They want your essence. Right. You know, they're not, as far as comedy goes, people are always impressed by impressionists. But what they really want is somebody's point of view, somebody unique. You know, I mean, an example, of course, I, I can give you simple ones would be like a Chris Rock. Yeah. He's an incredibly funny man. But the best thing about Chris Rock to me is not only his point of view, but his voice. His very distinct voice. Yeah. So even when you hear him and don't see him, you, you know it's Chris Rock. You know, he's got that cadence that only Chris Rock has and Chris Rock do. You're not going to hear him doing a Tom Hanks impression. I mean, it's also a cadence that you have, apparently, that apparently, you can do. Yeah. yeah, that's, you know, that's my, <laughs> you know, that's my little Chris Rock off, off right. the cuff. But, um, you know, so now what I had to find over the years is the Quentin Flynn voice. Like, who am I? Yeah. Like, what's my brand? Because... Uh, no longer do they want... I mean, it's not that they're not interested in a guy like me who does multiple voices. They love that. Yeah. But if they can just pigeonhole you, 
then they can use you easily in different roles because you have a certain style of voice that just fits and just works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I and mean, that's also kind of an issue for a lot of people, though, is you really you get pigeonholed a lot of times. People are like, well, I want to branch out. Yeah. Like, I'm sure right now you you kind of you do a lot of voice work, but you do everything else. And I'm sure all you ever get requests for, and this is only Todd was telling me, is like all people ever call him out for is voice work because that's what he's known for. He's like, but I do so many other things. Yeah. I want to do other things. This that happened to you as well. Yeah. Um, no matter what I do. Well, I shouldn't say no matter what I do. That sounds defeatist. Right. In spite of what I do. Uh, what they're more interested in is what I have the biggest body of work in and the most success right. with that is, you know, being talked about or blogged about or shown on YouTube. Yeah. That's what they're interested in. And because the main three video game characters of Reno, Axel, and Raiden yeah. are enormous, that's what the fans want in the pop culture world. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, those... Uh, who've grown up like maybe yourself on Timon from The Lion King is an iconic character or yeah. Spider-Man or Venom who I've also done and it's not that they w don't want these other things from me when I do live performances then they love it and they love my brand of comedy and my POV so what it comes down to is if I want something different I have to provide it I have to provide that material produce it right. spoon feed it I can't just say it I have to actually present it which yeah. is what I'm working on doing right now. Yeah, and I think that's also just <clears throat> even getting started, period. Because, I mean, from what I've heard about you getting started in the industry, that's basically what you had to do at first was be like, put yourself out there in front of people constantly be like, I can do impressions, I can do voices, to even get started with the voice acting. Yeah, and of course what you have to do for that, like any other uh, business, is you have to have the proper tools. Acting is acting is acting, but for each medium there are, are different uh, tools you have to administer. And when you have those, then you need a demo to get an agent to believe in you, to have you audition five days a week to get roles. Yeah. And then once you book, then you can do more. And if you have a, a more vast range, there's an opportunity to do a greater you know, degree of characters and uh, expose yourself to a greater audience, perhaps, in that regard, and also explore those characters, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. But by the same token, it's also really great when you have your own voice just to do what you do. And, uh, you know, that's really cool. And now I've just gone blank mentally. So. Well, have you had any roles where you... Yeah, I'll just jump right in. <laughs> I'm going to let you take over. Have you, have you had any roles where you got to use more of just your own voice? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you should ask that because over the years... That is what has happened. In fact, the role of Axel, who's in uh, the game Kingdom Hearts, right. is closer to my voice. Yeah. So, uh, and I actually have to have a script in front of me to kind of get into it. But when people meet me, they'll say, oh, you sound just like Axel. Well, yeah. that's because he's, he's right here. If I'm doing Axel, it would be Roxas. Roxas, 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 what are you doing? You know, you and I should just sit down, hang out, watch the sunset, and have some sea salt ice cream. You know why? Because you're my best friend. Got Aww. it memorized. That so. one line. So that's the one that anytime someone at a video game convention is like, please do Axel. You're like, I can do this line. Right. <laughs> that's it, the one that you can drop for them. It's kind of the hook to get into it. Yeah. Which is the same way of doing impressions. Right. Find a hook line. You know, like uh, Chris Walken would be like, weird, wow, scary, oh my. And then you can just start keep on, keeping on then whatever Then you go from there, you know? Yeah. Well, as as a gamer, that's something that I was excited about. These are games like Kingdom Hearts. Was I grew up with Kingdom Hearts, so oh, Axel cool. was a character that I loved, and then Raiden as well from Metal Gear Solid, which is closer to my voice as well. Yeah, and actually, that's something when I was uh, kind of relooking into it because it's been a while since I played those games. Like Kingdom Hearts Two, I think came out like eight years 1963, ago. Nineteen sixty three, I think right. it was. Yeah, nineteen sixty three. Oh. Like I wasn't even alive, and I was playing it before as a ghost about to be in the womb type of thing. It was a weird, ethereal experience. Well, yeah, but that was your destiny. Yeah. But, um, right, so so I was kind of, like, looking at it again. I was like, wow, this this really does sound a lot like you for those characters compared to Timon, say, right, and, and, and some of the anime yeah. ones that you've done. But, yeah, so, like, that was really cool to me. And is What is the difference for you doing anime compared to cartoon compared to video games, and which ones do you tend to prefer? Um, well, with anime, because, of course, it, it is original animation produced in Japan, and then they bring it to the United States to have us dub and transfer into English. Um so what happens is we have to work to picture since right. it's already established. So we're working to a monitor in a booth. There's a series of beeps I'll hear in the headphones, you know, and it'll be doot, doot, doot. And then yeah. on the fourth imaginary beep, I then have to act and match the lip flaps 
So it's it's a very musical in a way. You have to nail the timing, the nail nail the cadence, visually line up, and then emotionally give the character in the scene what it needs. So you're always working alone with the engineer and director on the other side of the glass, yeah. but never with any other actors in the room. With video game voice acting, uh, it depends on the project. Um, but, I mean, is there any in particular that you prefer doing? I mean, I've always felt like, I, I guess for me, a lot, since I grew up on a lot of animes, I'd be excited to get an anime, but then at the same time, since you, you don't get to purely act, you really have to match the lip flaps and things like that. It seems like it'd be more invigorating to do an original animation. Well, it is, um, but I will say I, I'm, I'm going to contradict you on the, the purely act because well, yeah, you're acting. Sorry, you, well, I don't want to. No, you are, and there are times because you, you know, not only like I said, you have to nail all that stuff, but there are times when I've had to nail, uh, you know, very sad moments or even characters' death. Yeah, within that context. So <clears throat> there are some real moments that do happen. It's not just neck on up. It is definitely an emotional experience. Sure. However, I will then piggyback what you said in the uh, aspect of original animation or original video game voice work. Yeah. Where we have the freedom to interpret the copy as is and not be restricted by time or you know, well, I, matching. I think that's, that's what, what I meant. I didn't, that's really I, didn't, what you're yeah, I didn't mean to say that you're not acting when you do anime, because yes, you are very much acting, yeah. but yeah, I meant to say, like, there are so many restrictions. Yeah. And, and for me, as someone who likes shows like Naruto, like, I'd be like, wow, it's a dream to be on a show like that, but then an original animation, an original show, it's just gotta be great, like you were saying, just not to have to worry about, am I hitting the beat? Yeah. Am I maybe acting the way that all these fans are of the Japanese version want to see, or things like that? Yeah, and I never think about those fans. Okay, that's good. Not at all, because okay. you know they're already taken care of with the Japanese actors. Right. It's you know the American fan base, and there are great writers who come up with these stories to make it work for them, and then the producers and directors who and engineers who work with us yeah. as a team to deliver that product. But yeah, I mean, doing the animation thing, like uh, I've guested on Scooby Doo uh, a couple times recently. And the fun of that, because it's an ensemble, is you're there with a number of other actors. So the interplay and the exchange is something that's a great buzz. Because oh, I'm actually I'm surprised to hear that. Everything I've always ever heard is you're by yourself on your own. Well, that, I'm speaking of animation. Okay. Well, yeah. For anything I've ever, I've always heard you're in the room by yourself. I never even heard of just ensembles at the same time voice acting. Oh yeah. In fact, I mean maybe it's it's not as common these days. But when I did the Adventures of Billy and Mandy, it was ensemble. Really? Back in the day, Johnny Quest was ensemble. Um, let's see, Robot Chicken, I'm trying to think. That's gotta be great then to actually be able to play off of someone. It is, and actually with the Metal Gear series, yeah. uh, I will always get to act opposite another person. Yeah. Like Phil Lamar, he and I have worked together on two uh, different games of that. Right. In Revengeance, he played a character named Kevin. Yeah. And then he was also Vamp in Metal Gear Solid 4. So when we get together in the room, not only is it great to work off of each other, which you have to work really quickly. We get a script in front of us. There's no time to break it down. Yeah. We do it on the fly, and we're finding it as we're doing it, along with the direction of Chris Zimmerman. But the party part of it for me with Phil is we both love doing impressions and clowning around, and so we do that in between. So that's the extra joy you know, of having that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's something, I, I don't know how much you can really talk about this, but with Metal Gear Solid, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on the whole controversy with Kiefer Sutherland and David Hayter that happened? Well, I, you know, I guess I've, I, I, more information has been revealed to me. I didn't understand it in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I thought that Kiefer was going to be replacing David uh, as Snake, which is not true. Right, I think it's a big boss. Big boss. Right. So uh, then I was I was perplexed, you know, about the whole thing. And later it was explained to me, no... He's replacing his big boss. David will still be Snake. Yeah. I went, okay. Um, and I, I don't really know what to feel about it. Uh, I saw an interview with David. Yeah. And David said he loved what Kiefer did. So if he's okay with it, I guess I, I'm okay with it. But at first, when I got this petition from fans online, I said, yeah. well, David's he's my, not only my friend, but he's incredible. And I would 
lobby to petition that he gets to keep his job. Yeah. But you know as well as I do, there must be more to the story that none of us really know. Yeah, you never know what Hideo Kojima's coming up with with this story. Well, yeah, and so, also yeah, it the, might make sense. And there's management, and there's agents, and there's money. Yeah, and, yeah. So who knows what it comes down to? Yeah, it's definitely something like from the fan side, everyone's like, but, but, I don't know. Like it just came across as something like, well, we got to get the big Hollywood celebrities now. Yeah. And whereas everyone's like, who's a gamer's like, well, we don't care. This is the voice. This is who we think of as Snake. And well, Big Boss. Now, are you a fan of the series? Yeah. You are. You said that. Did you have? Did you play? Yeah. What is your feeling? I mean, I I don't like that they did that. That that bothers. It bothers me, and that's why I brought it up. Is because to me that I, I guess I feel like whenever there's a voice actor, I connect that voice actor with the role. Yeah. And so to suddenly change it to me is like, well, but that's the character. And as a gamer, I, I don't care about if it's a celebrity or not. And yeah. it felt like games are getting... It felt very much like games are getting big now. So now we have to put the celebrity name in there so we have to reach out to a bigger audience. And like, wow, Kiefer Sutherland's in. Maybe we'll get bigger people and expand the audience. And that's what it kind of felt like. Yeah. Where it, and then to me, it's like, but... Did it throw off the character? Uh, well, I, I haven't played the new Metal Gear Solid Five yet. Okay. So I haven't played the newest one. Have you seen any playthroughs? Not yet, So no. you haven't really heard it matched up to no? No. Okay. But no. so like for me as someone who... I. I I played the previous ones, but I haven't played the newest one. It's still just a weird thing. It's like, and this is me as a gamer seeing like yeah. the expanding of the industry. As the industry is getting bigger, you're kind of starting to see things like they're taking celebrities and all that instead of the original voice actors. Where it's like, well, this is like who the character is to us. It no, doesn't matter. We don't care if it's a celebrity, right? So well, yeah, to, and to us, to you, it's right? Like, to me, but I mean, the newest Metal Gear Solid Five, the the main one, isn't out yet. No, no. So that's no. yeah. Of course not, but. You know, stuff leaks out. That's why. Right, I right. So, yeah. So, uh, no. Yeah. But I, I would say that to whoever creates something, you know, is in a, an original character in an original role uh, is what I am a fan of, like yourself. And in my eyes and ears, they are the celebrity. Now, if somebody takes a pseudo, <laughs> let me rephrase that, takes someone who's established <laughs> that the media considers a celebrity right. and sticks them in. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes it works, I guess, and sometimes it's just obnoxious. Right, yeah, it just depends if they can actually act that way, because it's a different style of acting. It's a different type of acting. Well, yeah, and also, you know, what is it for them? Like, are they passionate about the role, or is it just about money? Yeah. That's good question to ask. Huh? So actually, hosting stuff, bring that in and ask that. But uh, speaking of that passion, I'm curious, did you ever watch anime? I'm sure you didn't watch anime before you got started, but like anime or video games, were you into those things before you got started voice, doing voice work for those? Well, oddly enough, yeah, unconsciously I was. Because yeah. as a kid, there were shows on that I, were anime, and I guess still to this day are, like some of the <laughs> older ones, uh, yeah. Speed Racer. Right, yeah, Speed Racer. And Kimba, it? the White Lion, yeah. which they say The Lion King was based on. Yeah. Did you ever hear that? I didn't. I didn't know that. There you go, a little FYI. Um, and uh, the joke is that my friend Robbie Rist would say, Kimba was the most powerful animal in the world. Because if you watch the visuals, Kimba the white lion would be running, and the earth and the scene underneath Kimba's feet and behind Kimba would be moving, but Kimba would always be in the same place. So yeah. apparently the earth was rotating behind and underneath Kimba's feet. Yeah, that was absolutely, it wasn't actually animation budgets or anything. That was actually what they were trying to portray. Well, yeah. Yeah. So there, there was that, <laughs> and I watched it, and I'm like, he's yeah. damn right. Um, and Speed Racer, of course, was awesome. And later in my career, uh, I went on to voice Speed Racer for a Geico commercial. Oh, wow, really? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I enjoyed Speed Racer when I was a kid. Watching it now, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe uh, that well, was one that, I, that sticks to childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like, actually, I really like the Speed Racer movie. That was actually surprisingly I, that good. That I did not see. It's good. It's actually, I don't know, it didn't do well critically, but it was actually just fun. It's pure fun. Was it animation or live action? It was live action. Okay. It was by the guys who made the Matrix trilogy. Oh, well, I love the Matrix. So it was actually, yeah, it, it got ham- it got slammed, but I actually loved it. I think it was a great uh, great movie. I'm surprised they didn't have Kiefer Sutherland as Speed Racer. I know, seriously. Yeah, yeah what's up, bro? Seriously, no. Then you gotta slide into Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I should be Speed Racer. Now I can do it all. I'm a ghost rider. Yeah, Speed racer. Whatever you want me to do, man. My head is incredibly huge. Look at my forehead. Yeah, Nicolas Cage's uh, action role still baffles my mind. But moving on to other things. He though. was great in Face Off, though, with Travolta. I actually didn't see that one. You've got to see it. Oh, there we go. Fantastic. I'll watch that one. Yeah. 
But speaking of outside of voice work and what you are, I know you've done improvisation, you've done acting, you've done hosting. What is it that you're really interested in getting into? Well, uh, I'm very passionate about comedy and music. So uh, delving into those greater, again, with my own point of view and telling it like it is and separating the wheat from chaff and calling bullshit when there's bullshit. Like, uh, I would be interested in perhaps replacing Craig Ferguson as the new host of The Late Late Show. I think we yeah. mentioned that earlier. Right, we talked about that. I like that kind of a um, platform. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Carson was one of my biggest influences. And the fact that Johnny was able to balance um, his comedy, not only doing his monologues and relating to an audience, whether the joke worked or not, but as an interviewer like yourself, yeah. asked good questions actively listened and was uh, a fan of whoever was his guest and wanted them to shine. Right. Now, a lot of the interviewers currently and some who have left their posts recently seem to not be able to listen or handle the fact that someone else might be getting a laugh or more attention than them. And they may steamroll or not even be able to piggyback on the last words that were just said. And to me, it's just obnoxious. It's like, wait, didn't you hear what they just said? No. Why are you trying to best them? Do you know what I mean? It's like watching um there there's the interviews I've seen where it's like it's not the stand up type of interviewers or the, like main like late night show interviewers, but there's clips that come out every so often of an interviewer where they're interviewing someone at like a sports event. Yeah. And it's just very clear that maybe they're listening to their IFB or something, and they just don't hear a word that the person they're interviewing says. Uh, one was with Matthew Perry that I saw that was great. They're at a hockey game, uh-huh. and the girl was asking him about his role on a show, and he's like, "I wasn't in that show." And then she kept on asking him about that show, and he's like, "I, I, I wasn't in that show." Oh my god! And kept on going on. It yeah. was like a minute long of her still like being like, and again we had Matthew Perry from this show. And he's like, "I didn't uh, do that yeah, show." Yeah, that's a perfect example. Right. Active listening, yeah. people. It's like you're in your fucking head and you're not thinking about what's going on in the moment. Yeah, so that's maddening. And also, I don't know. Should is it fair to talk about other talk show hosts, in my opinion, about them right now? I'm curious, All honestly. Right. I want to hear. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, uh, I think David Letterman right now is by far my favorite host and the yeah. best in terms of you know uh, following up Carson. Because he's smart, he's funny, he's witty, he's honest. He has a personality that he reveals. Uh, he's relatable to the audience. And, and uh, his rating should be higher. Yeah. Um, uh, Kimmel's good. I like him. I think he's underrated. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, while I really respect his talent as an impressionist and a comedic musician, I, uh, he's excited about every guest that's on. Like, oh my god, oh my god, can you do that? Oh my god, oh my god, really? He's like a, you know, like a, uh, I don't know, he's like a giant child, you yeah. know, wants to please everybody. And I, I, nothing against him, because I've seen his, I saw his comedy years ago, and I think he's very gifted. But as a host, I don't see his point of view. I don't see that he has a problem with anyone or anything or any difference of opinion. Like, it's all the same. Whether it's Kim Kardashian or President Obama, he's going down on them the same way. I guess, yeah, going down on them. Right? <laughs> I guess that's why they chose him, though. It's just because it's like, he's the nice guy. He's going to please everybody. So we're never going to get in trouble with anyone. Well, he's safe. Right. You know, he's very same, safe. And by the same token, you have Seth Meyers who follows him. Yeah. And Seth, of course, uh, was a head writer for SNL, did Weekend Update. Now, not my favorite weekend update hosts. I preferred Norm MacDonald. Yeah. He had a very, you know, particular brand of humor. Ah, ah, Norm MacDonald. Ah, 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 you know, and uh, quite an acerbic wit, or even back when Chevy Chase started. Like, they were unique because of their personality. Now, with somebody like Seth, he's trying to, to me, just in my observation, it's only my opinion. Right. I see him trying to please and be nice and look good in his suit. And I know he's an incredibly smart guy. I've seen him on panels talk about writing, and he wouldn't have been the head writer for SNL if he wasn't, nor would he have been given the nod for the late-night slot. But I don't see him doing anything that's exciting or different, whereas Craig Ferguson, on the other hand, who's going to be leaving in December... Yeah. It's fantastic. Craig reveals himself. He does things that are outrageous. He plays. He jumps around. He has fun. He, you know, whatever happens is happening live, and he works in an improvisational aspect that makes things interesting. Yeah. So those are my opinions about those kind of things, which I'll segue into Saturday Night Live, which I think, for me, the kind of guy I am, could bring a point of view to a weekend update platform and do celebrity impressions as well as original characters, yeah. which that show desperately needs right now. 
Yeah, I can't. I honestly don't know the last time I watched SNL. <laughs> like, it's been a little while. Right. But yeah. we know the standout characters that fall into our popular culture conscience, like the most recent would have been Bill Hader's Stefan character. Right. Right? Or back in the day, Dana Carvey's Church Lady. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I used to watch SNL, and there's still good ones. It's just, it depends on the cast. It's so dependent on the cast and who's currently on it. Yeah. Like, when I, I enjoyed Andy Samberg's sketches that he would do, so I would watch those. Um, so it always just depends. So it's just like, do I like the current staff or not? So, yeah. Yes. It's always like, I don't know, like SNL goes like up and down. Like it, cause people get on and they're okay and they kind of, a lot of them gain their skill as they go on, I feel like, for some of the SNL comedians. Well, and you're right. And I do think that perhaps it is looked at as kind of like a training camp, you know, or maybe, I mean, you're in the major leagues, of course. But what you have is, um, what do you have? The, uh, f- is it featured players and repertory players? Right. Is how they list them. Originally, they were called the Not Ready for Prime Time Players. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, they get their talent, generally speaking, from Upright Citizens Brigade, Second City, and Groundlings. Yeah. So you got it between Chicago and Los Angeles. Then occasionally they'll pick a, a stand-up comedian or they'll pick an impressionist. Yeah. Which Jay Farrow, of course, is, is quite a good impressionist. Um, and then the writers are predominantly from Harvard. So that's oh, kind I didn't of know a, that part. Yeah, it's a mainline thing that they got going on there. So... There's a way in which the machine works, and Lauren has done it successfully, coming up now on 40 years, and had the highest ratings consistently in that time slot, uh, longer than any other show in television history. So he knows what he's doing, but in my opinion, it's very watered down now, and I'm going out on a limb here, but it's my opinion. The cast, uh, I don't find anybody on that show is particularly interesting or outstanding there's nobody who is very edgy uh they're cookie cutter well yeah i was gonna say i think that to me is the thing is i think it needs a little more edge to it again i feel like yeah. it used to be more edgy than it is now well yeah and they all look the same like the same suits the same haircut and the women the same you know style it doesn't matter if you're of indian descent or uh, african-american or uh you know, asian or irish it's like the look the modeling the way uh, everybody is tailored and dressed and prepped for the the photos. Well, don't you know this is how same. we do SNL? Come well, on, this is how you do it. Yeah, yeah, but you know, goddamn it, break out into something. I mean, Kristen Wiig, incredibly versatile, and yeah. has gone on to greater success because she could adapt. She could do original characters. She could do impressions. Uh, the same with, um, gosh. Well, uh, Tina Fey broke out. Well, she, Tina Fey broke out, and she was a writer at first. Right. And, and I actually listened to her, her book on, uh, DVD, on CD. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So gifted. And her story is incredible to go from writing to performing, which she admitted she was not comfortable with. And then her own voice as a writer then came out as a performer through Update. And then after she was off the show, getting the character of... Um, 30 Rock. Well, yeah. Or Liz Lemon. But, but, but um, when uh, John... Um, God, he was running for president. McCain. And Sarah Palin. Oh, right. right. That's when Lauren and company called her up and said, hey, we'd like you to do Palin. Yeah. And she's like, I I don't think I can. And she came out alongside Amy Poehler doing a brilliant Hillary Clinton. Boom. And all of a sudden, she'd been off the air. Now she's back on with a contract and then, you know, doing the 30 That sounds like an interesting book to listen to. Yeah, look at here. I'm promoting. So, (laughs) Tina, I hope you appreciate this. Yeah, you're doing Um, it for her. Yeah. Because she deserves it. And, you know, but again, that's how the the So Quentin uh, Flynn's here, but get Tina Fey's book. Yeah, I know. You know, fuck that. (laughs) The Quentin Flynn book is in the works. In fact, it's happening right now as we speak. There you go. Perfect. Is Is it really, though? Is that true? Or are you just saying that? Well... Uh, ideally, yes. There, I mean, I do have a book that uh, I have many volumes and many chapters and many stories that I can't reveal here right now. Yeah. But this is part of it right now. And I think this is actually a this turning is, this point. This is the main chapter, right? Your well, interview on AfterBuzz is the turning point. It is. This is the yeah. turning point in my career. Oh, that's, yeah. Once you make it on AfterBuzz, that's like... Pfft. Well, you know, what I'm revealing to you now is actually what I think, actually what I believe that has never been done before. I don't know if I believe you or not. I feel like I'm sure I've seen interviews where we've actually talked about your beliefs. Not like this. Not when it comes to the business of show. Okay. Well, I'm, going, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going out on well, a we're limb. Kinda like, we're, we're kind of branching away from voice acting a bit, which is what I'm sure most of the interviews are. It's like, oh, my God, voice actor. We just have to talk voice acting. So yeah. we're kind of going to more general who you are. Well, yeah, and, and what it's about. And I think those are the best interviews because, yeah. you know, I could sit here and talk about 
I'm voicing investigation discovery channels I'd kill for you. Next. <laughs> you know, or... Well, sometimes, too, it's like, I mean, the whole thing about the beeps and all that for anime voice acting. I've done a bunch of interviews now. And it's like, well, you hear the beeps for voice acting. It's like, okay, yeah, we, yeah. You're familiar with that. Right, yeah. So I'm trying to get find out other things. Like, who is Quentin Flynn? So, yeah. yeah, that's great. So it's nice to actually hear your real thoughts. And that's why when you said... For hosts, like, do you want to hear my real thoughts on hosts? I was like, yes, I do. Yeah. I really do want to hear your real thoughts on hosts. And music, Because very much who you are, yeah. Okay, so music then. Well, what are your thoughts on the music scene? Most of it today is garbage. So you're not a fan of techno? You're not a fan no. of dubstep? No. Rap, hip-hop? No. All right. Couldn't well, you came from uh, rock, right? Yeah. That was your background was rock. Yeah, I grew up in the rock and roll capital, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. And uh, weaned on FM radio, which at the time, you know, before um, uh, big companies took over, um... You had um, regional radio, so they were you had DJs who had the opportunity, like yourself, to do an interview with somebody and to play music and talk about what they wanted and like yeah. turn people on to new stuff. <clears throat> and then at a certain point over the decades, big companies came over. I'm not going to mention names, who then turned it into a generic format where generic playlists have to be played, and then then companies are paying to get their music played and then right. people are then given and told this is what you will like no i'm not saying that yeah it, it's, it's that whole fake you know. top 40s thing yeah yeah it's like yeah you hear any current radio person interview and they admit like actually we just have someone call like whoever calls and they want the song we were going to play anyways that's who we have uh, connect that's the yeah. person they connect yeah and before there used to be pr- DJs with a personality. Yeah. Whereas now it's a mechanized machine. Yeah, yeah they're, they're actually know. stopping a lot of DJs. Like, DJs on radios, that doesn't, like, they'll just do the automated thing, like you said. Yeah, and also because of, uh, you know, the satellite stations, you can get music all the time without a personality, right. which people love. And and I do, too. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, sounds great. But uh, I love rock and roll. Um, I love the roots of rock, which is blues and country and western and, of course, country and Western roots come from, you know, the Celtic origins, like I- Ireland and Scotland. And uh, But you mix that up and you get rock and roll. And um, I'm still a rocker at heart, so I'm all about that. Okay, and I'm also, so, I'm also okay, all about what are your bands then? What, what the bands that bands? I love? Yeah. Well, as a child, I was weaned on 60s music by my mom. Yeah. So that would have been the Beatles, number one. Right. For me, everything branches out from there. Okay. Uh, you know, as far as composers, what Lennon and McCartney did along with Harrison and Starr is not only uh, creative and design a sound, but they were able to branch out in other genres successfully on albums as they grew and create new styles and sounds based on technology as it was happening. Yeah. And other bands were able to kind of follow that. So that's where it starts with me. Then in the 70s, the Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, yeah, they were great. Jeff Lynne's project, who went on to produce the Beatles on their anthology series and do uh, Traveling Wilburys with Tom Petty, who I love. Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, um, you know, uh, George Harrison and, and himself. You know, you were able to take artists from 60s, 70s, and 80s, even though Petty started in the 70s, he had great hits in the 80s and 90s, bring them together. And the common thread for me is uh, a great melody. Don't yeah. bore us. Get to the chorus. A narrative, a story, something that resonates. And uh, that's for me. And I'm just saying, look, I, I, I can't. I'm not going to say that there's no skill in rapping because uh, Seth Green, actually, who's known for his acting, is one of the best rappers I know. Oh, yeah? He taught me how to rap on uh, uh, Robot Chicken when I was doing Elmer Fudd. Yeah. And we were doing our parody of Eminem's 8 Mile. Yeah. So this is true. He's an actor, he's a director, he's fantastic. But I will say that as far as rap goes, if you really look into the lyrics and some of what they're saying, again, depending on the artist, the lion's share of it, as far as I'm concerned, is just garbage. Yeah, and I think it depends on the garbage. Uh, garbage. I think it depends on the artist. Yeah, it so, does. Yeah, and, and someone so, oh, there's such an the artist. The hard thing to me yeah. is, uh, at least with hip hop, is just uh, being like good MCs who can just do it on the spot and yeah. rhyme. I'm, like that to me blows me away. I'm like, I don't know how you come up with rhymes that quickly. Well, I think Eminem is phenomenal. Yeah. Now, uh, look again. That's not my milieu or genre. So anybody sure, out right. there, so your genre is rock, though. rock and roll history. You I know. mean, like when you moved out to LA, I believe uh, in interviews you said that your brother was trying to be a rock star. Is that is that right? That's actually my cousin. Oh, it's your cousin. Yeah, okay. my cousin Franklin. Yeah, uh, Franklin Chiano Lanza. Shout out to Franklin. Um, we moved out here together, and he was in my band in Cleveland. Yeah, and we'd played the Agora clubs and the Sahara clubs and everything in the Midwest. Right. And when we got to LA, it was the hair metal scene. 
Okay. So he wanted to play with some of the hair bands at the time on the Sunset Strip. Um, and I just pursued acting and bowed out of music for a while before getting back into it in the 90s and then playing clubs like the Whiskey A Go-Go, oh, nice. Troubadour, the Roxy, Moguls, Jack Sugar Shack, yeah. uh, Spaceland. Some he, really classic clubs that yeah. you get to perform at. Yeah, I mean the kind of things that people hear about from other countries even and go, you played the Whiskey? You played the Troubadour? Yeah. So yeah, rock and roll dreams have come true for me. That's great. Uh, but to go back to my brother, I do have a brother, Bart, Bart Flynn, who is also a voice actor and oh. an artist, a musician, and uh, a painter and graphic designer. He lived in L.A. for about 15 years uh, doing voice acting. Yeah. And now he moved back to Cleveland. He's been there five years, and he's still doing voice acting. So apparently it runs in the family, then. Yeah, well, you know, we have creative genes, and our parents really encouraged us to do that. You know, Larry and Judy Flynn uh, raised us right, and... Uh, again, played a lot of music in the house, whether it was the pop rock stuff, yeah. folk stuff, Simon and Garfunkel, Irish traditional music, well, where you know, my like, dad's family's from. Like, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a different generation from you, and I, I grew up on that stuff too, and I think at this point, that classic rock music's so good that I think any generation knows it. Oh, yeah. And even, I'm sure kids today, that's probably, they still know those bands. Beatles is played all the time. Oh, yeah. Zeppelin all the time. Rolling Stones all the time. Like, that's still, Electric Light Orchestra, you constantly hear in yeah. ads. So I think um, I think it's stuff that will survive. Well, it's good. Re- I mean, you just nailed it. Why? Why does it work? Because it works. Right. Transcends yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's flash in the pan stuff that doesn't. Yeah. But what's always interesting, though, and this happened when I was young, is that each old decade or decades before will be revisited and then be fascinating to a new culture. Like in the 70s, Happy Days was on, and that was all about the 50s, right? Right, right. And then in uh, what decade would it have been the 90s that they had that 70s show? Yeah. Right? And now it's all about the 80s. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think 80s stuff is coming back, and I hear that all the time. So they are revisiting and it. I like some, but I like some 80s music. It depends. So mm-hmm. it always depends for everything. So I think the good music will always stand out. It, that it, will it, transcend time. I agree. And I will say, though, about the 80s, it was a very uh, unique period of time <clears throat> where style was incorporated. And because of MTV, which broke acts nationwide and then globally, yeah. it, I want say it affected radio and then it provided people a whole new opportunity based on looks to then have hits but you also had to have the hits you also had to have the music it couldn't just be trite otherwise like you said it wouldn't stand the test of time well that's what's happening a lot i feel like with today is now with the internet and youtube but while it's hard to get noticed especially now that's so like everyone uses youtube so it's incredibly hard but there's still every so often I think someone can stand out if they put out a good song on YouTube yeah, or something to that extent. But I think the main difference with today and back then was today is such a single world, whereas back then it was all about your album and you had to have a good front-to-back album. Oh, yeah. Whereas now it's all about singles. Yeah. You have, as long as you have a good single and that's the way you're going, that that's what today's day and age is about. Well, you bring up an interesting point, and I would agree with you, but even b- before like the album rock days they called it AOR yeah um where often oftentimes there were concept albums or bands like you know where when Sgt Pepper's started that was an album that people saw front to back as something that you wanted to strive for Pink Floyd Led Zeppelin uh different acts like that uh Alice Cooper Queen um and so many bands The Who yeah like the rock opera Tommy that Pete Townsend conceived of was about a whole album but in decades prior it was about singles so maybe it's just a return to old it's cyclical you're yeah right. it's like everything's cyclical but now you're right because of uh technology and everybody wanting a quick hit like they want it yesterday yeah they want it now over now over now over yeah give me that hit i love that single and the downside is i would say if an artist doesn't have that body of work they're only going to sell that single. Yeah, that's that's the hard thing, I think, with a lot of it. Anything that any work I do, especially, I'm like, well, I don't want it to be a flash in the pan because it's so easily for someone to see one thing and forget about you. You almost feel like you have to have a body of work behind it before you get that hit song. So people look back and be like, oh, there's other things that person does, and that's not the one flash in the pan. Yeah, and there are those artists out there today, like a guy like John Legend to me. He's as legit as they come. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, John Legend's great. Right? You yeah. Know, he's amazing. Um, but to uh, the media, is he as sexy or salacious or as controversial as somebody else who has a single hit and a drug problem? 
you know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, no, he's, wow, he's really good. We, there's no, I don't know how to sell good. It's almost like news. Like, it's really difficult to sell good news. But is John Legend doing poorly? I thought he was doing all right. No, no, he's doing great. Right, because he always has songs in movies, <clears throat> so that's what helps him. <clears throat> yeah, and I, but I, I don't mean to say that. My point being is... That drug problems sell. The, yes. Yeah, that's yes. it. You're, you're not going to put him on the front of People magazine. to the point. Because the guy is a man of integrity yeah. who has an incredible body of work. So people will support and endorse him, and artists and professionals alike love and revere and respect right. people like that. But what is sexier to sell is shit, like Kardashian. Yeah. You know, they have a kid. Because it's Kanye easy West. to sell magazines. Well, yeah. Kim yeah. Kardashian and, and Kanye West have a son. They name him North. Northwest? North by Northwest. North by Northwest. Yeah. Now, I would love to say that it's because they were big fans of Hitchcock's movie that, that starred Cary Grant. That's what it is. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Come on. But I mean, what are they going to do? And name their daughter Southwest? And uh, yeah. what? Get extra miles on uh, Southwest Airlines? I don't know. Is she going to become a prostitute oh my God, by going brilliant. south? It's brilliant. I mean, That's how they're going to be able to travel everywhere. <laughs> brilliant. You have the nail on the head. That's why they're doing that. Right? Yeah. So before we wrap up, let's come back to voice acting a little bit because that really is what I think most people know you for. And that's your body of work that you've really excelled at. And, and now they're salivating. Years and years and years and years and years and years. And yes. um, so one of the animes that I love is Naruto. <clears throat> and what was that like for you working on that? Did you know anything about the show before you did that? Hi, Naruto. Um, I did not know anything about it. Yeah. Uh, like many of these roles, and people have always asked me, you know, what did you think about getting in the Metal Gear series? I didn't know about it. Yeah. What about Kingdom Hearts? Didn't know. What about Final Fantasy? Didn't know. Just new roles, new opportunities, new scripts. So yeah. I got the role as Hiruka Sensei, you know, mentor to um, Naruto. Yeah. So, which is great because I love being a mentor to people, and I do in turn in life help people who are new in the business, I show them the way. I'm like, look, this is what I had to go through to get here. Here's what you need to do to get there. Yeah. And so that role for me actually is one that I can relate to. Oh, great. You know, being okay. a mentor to somebody, giving them direction, yeah. trying to help uh, refine them and, and keep them in line, not to tamp them down rather, but to give them direction so they have a successful life. Yeah. So for me, it's a great role that has heart. And uh, whether it's uh, my buddy Adam McGuire, who's uh, out of uh, Boise, Idaho, he's a 24-year-old DJ who's been doing it for six years and wants to now ply his trade in this industry out here with guys like yourself, Dave, or um, my goddaughter, um, Lily, who's uh, a young singer and aspires to someday be a recording artist. Yeah. I'm here to say, look, I've done 25 years in the trenches of LA. I did, you know, a number of years in Cleveland before. I can help show you the way so you don't have to make the same mistakes I made. And the LA trenches are truly trenches. They're deep trenches that yeah. you have to wade through. Yeah. So as far as then, uh, video game characters go, I was curious with the character Raiden. You revisited that character again way after the first game, after yeah. Metal Gear Solid 2, and now you just had uh, Revengeance come out. Um, revisiting the character, what was it like trying to get back into that role and do the same voice but then maybe mature it? Is that a difficult process? Well, uh, no, they, they make it easy for me, I would say, because yeah. they will bring um, the temp track, uh, not temp tracks, forgive me, references of the voice from the game that we have done before so that I can get it, hook into it, and do it. Yeah. Um, the transition that was odd was going from Metal Gear 2 to Metal Gear 4 because they wanted a different Raiden. Yeah. So I actually had to audition for the role I already had. Oh, really? To okay. get that. Because I had to go from, you know, kind of a young Raiden in here who was the rookie who didn't know what was going on to a Raiden that was more here in my voice who could then go to here, Jack the Ripper. So maybe the Metal Gear Solid Five thing isn't such an odd thing if you had to retrend if you had to re audition for your own role. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but for Rising Revengeance, the neat thing was they kind of leaned more into the world weary, war torn cyborg ninja of Raiden. Yeah. Right? Heavier, the white devil they call him. Yeah. Why? Because he's blonde, not because he's part of the Aryan nation. And um so for me, I enjoyed going to that dark place. Yeah. Because, again, we all have a full range of emotions, and it's great to be able to get angry and to go to that place and say, I am lightning, the rain transformed. I will rip your head off and shit down your throat. <laughs> now, that's that's 
a line that you always have to say is shit down your throat is the ultimate. Yeah. I'm a badass line. I'm going to well, say this to you. Exactly. You know, I think we got that from Arlie Ermy and Full Metal Jacket. He put that out yeah, there I think in the so. pop now culture world. Commonly, yeah. Now, people love saying it. You know, I know. It's a I, great get, line. I, I get into a cab. I'm like, how are you? He goes, I'm pretty good today. Uh, probably by the end of the ride, I will rip your head off and shit down your throat. I said, yeah. great. You're like, this is great. I'm glad I'm in your cab. Yeah. Should I tip on oh, top yeah. of that? I think so. Yeah. I think that's actually typical standard after someone shits down your throat. Well, definitely. Like, oh, thank you. Here you go. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. how it is in the dating world, too, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, so for characters that you portray, do you usually prefer or do you have any preference when it comes to a villain or a good guy or a younger character? Is there any particular one that you really enjoy? I enjoy whatever I'm doing at the time. Um, yeah, I love them all. And I do have uh, uh, gratitude for the fact that I have been able to play young characters, you know, kids, um, and innocent, like Sheldon. Sheldon, for my life, is a teenage robot who is kind of a nebbish, you know? Yeah. Very innocent, who is in love with Jenny, the robot on Nickelodeon, for three seasons, and he wanted to date her. And so that, I would say, is uh, one that I really did base on Jerry Lewis. Oh, really? Okay. Because Jerry Lewis uh, did, you know, that character in his stand-up act with Dean Martin, and in many of the interviews I've watched with him... Jerry would always say that that character is a nine-year-old. And he would say, everybody has in them a nine-year-old. He's like, not a 10-year-old, mind you. Not an 11-year-old. Nine. You it's have very specific. a nine-year-old in you. And that nine-year-old will say any kind of thing. You might be in an elevator and go, flaming! You know, and so, but when he would do, you know, that kind of, I'm sorry, I was hoping, but I wouldn't, I didn't want to mess with your, your cup. If I could, I'm not bothering you, am I, Dave? Mr. Klein, I just, you're yeah, a Actually, friend. actually, uh, a little bit. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, just, I, just, just get, just go, just go. <laughs> so I took that inspiration for that character because he was such an innocent. Yeah. And so I got to do this, this young, vulnerable character. And at the same time, though, on that series, I then created a metallic superhero called Silver Shell. Yeah. Where I'd be able to, I was able to become this wonderful heroic man who had the confidence that Sheldon didn't in the hopes of attracting Jenny. And then there was another character named Don Prima, obviously Prima Donna. Oh, yeah, yeah. Backwards, who was a prick. And he was arrogant. So I got to play Don Prima and say, Jenny, you want to go to the party with me? I'll pick you up around five-ish in my car. Oh, hi, Sheldon. So so you have so many options, too, for trying to pick up robot chicks now. You're like, I know which one I think should work. That's and it. So I try to pick up a robot chick. Yeah. Yeah. As long as I've got uh, some oil to lube, then it's all going to be good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I hear they like. Yeah, yeah. that's what I understand. That and, a, that and an Irish brogue like yours. Those two. Yeah, <laughs> Those that's two all you need. Yeah, and no, need. But no cheese. No. Never. Never. Not cheese. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show with, uh, with me today for The Voice Of. It's, it's been a pleasure. pleasure talking to you. And you too, man. Man, it's just amazing to me, again, how many voices and just how easy it is for you to slip into everything. Well, you know, it's just one of those things, like, I, I live it. Yeah. I, I just never stop. I mean, uh, I love doing it. I've been doing it since I was a kid. And to me, there's no greater fun and joy than, like, doing that. And it, I think it's just part and parcel to, to growing up uh, with part of my Irish heritage is storytelling. And for some reason, when you I tell a story about a person, I just end up doing an impression of them. It's just because it makes it that much more riveting. It really does. It makes it more interesting. Because before, even when we were talking before the show started, you were telling me a story, and you just automatically went into the character that you're talking about. It's just very much who you are. It is, and it's unconscious. Yeah. This is how I retell a story. You know, like, I'm like, if I would have said, yeah, I ran into this guy in the street, and I was like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, I, well, I, don't, I don't know what, what is going on with you. That's how I would retell the story, because that's how he sounded to me. So what we're learning, and really the takeaway is, Quinn Flynn is a really good storyteller. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, actually, no, I really, I think so. I think you're a really good storyteller because of that, and I think that's actually what's allowed you to do all this. I think that's the basis. I think you're right. From. And the freedom to play. Yeah. That's what we all have to allow ourselves to be, in essence, is our authentic selves. Be who you are. Be honest with other people. You know, try not to let other people get in your head. Don't be people-pleasing or afraid of, you know, pleasing other people. If you be you, and Dave, you've been you since I've met you, 
and I dig so you. So you think. So I think. <laughs> but maybe you're lying to me. Maybe I'm going to walk out of here and I'll have daggers in my back. <laughs> but so far. As like, soon as the, we get to the cars, it's like, by the way, this is my real voice. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. I like your other voice. Oh, but, but, that's uh, too bad. You know, by the same token, if, if, if we are who we are and we're honest with everybody, uh, then we are a program of attraction rather than promotion. If yeah. I am me and you dig me just for being me, then you'll come to me and vice versa. Like I dig you, so let's go hang out as opposed to putting on a facade or a front or a line or some bullshit to present yourself as someone other than who you are. Yeah, well, that, again, that comes back to the whole hosting thing we were talking about too where it's just like a little bit more raw would be nice and exactly what your gripes were with a lot of SNL and late night shows is just... Be a little more raw. Be a little more you. Jimmy Fallon thing. Yeah. And yeah. again, not to take away from his talent, he's fucking brilliant. And he's got a thing that's comfortable for him, and obviously people love it. So far be it from me to judge him. I'm just making an observation, and I have an opinion. Right. Which I'm entitled to. No, you're not. Because You're not allowed to have opinions. This is PC world, PC day. Opinions are not okay. I know. It's true. But if we are all who we are, and we do what we do, and we dream big, and make those dreams a reality... We can have the greatest lives in the world. Yeah. That's what it's down to, you know? I Absolutely. think Sir Paul of the Beatles would say that, you know, you know, mind yourself, do what you like, say what you mean, but don't say it meanly. And to really bring it back to the Beatles. See? All right. Well, thank you again so much for coming on, Quentin. It's and it was a pleasure. pleasure having you. And again, this is the voice of, and make sure to check us out every so often. We constantly have guests. Uh, Todd Habercorn was just on recently. I ah. said his last name really strangely. Habercorn, love him. Habercorn. I said Habercorn. That's all and right. And Cassandra Morris uh, a few days ago. So make sure to constantly check out Voice of iTunes, YouTube, any oh, way you prefer. And, and follow me on, oh, yeah, and on yes. Twitter at Quentin Flynn. And where else can we find you, Quentin? Uh, on Twitter, at Quentin Flynn. Specifically on Twitter, at Quentin Flynn. That, that would be it for now. Uh, I am working on a website uh, and a new brand, which will be coming out. So All right, great. I will tweet that, and then you can follow me on that when that comes out. So there you go. But to get the tweets, first follow Quentin. At Quentin Flynn. Q-U-I-N-T-O-N-F-L-Y-N-N. And guys, I'm Dave Klein. You can follow me on Twitter at the Dave Klein. That's K-L-E-I-N. And I'll see you next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz see you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.